Welcome to Mishpachas Take 2, where the names familiar to you from the magazine come to life. There are some names that are larger than others. Rabbi Aaron Kotler, years ago, Rabbi Aaron, I interviewed you for the magazine, and I started with a premise that you didn't love. I said that we hear so much about people growing up in the shadow, a big name, they have big shoes to fill and the pressure. I said if anybody grew up with a name that was larger than life, it was you. And a lot of the decisions and the choices you made, I said, was your way of doing it, your way. And you said, no, you were just doing things that you felt you were naturally inclined to do, regardless of whatever your name would have been, you would be exactly where you were. That's something along those lines. Do you still see it that way? Well, I'm not sure I would call it a shadow. Maybe it's more of a halo. And the halo allows you a path to do the things that... uh, you either want to do or or you feel obligated to do. So to me, uh, reflecting on my years, it's uh, I look at it as a halo. As a halo. Now you came in, you did things that nobody had ever done before you in many different capacities. You introduced a role to the Elmer Yeshivas that nobody had ever, no yeshiva had ever seen, at least in America before. And, and you did things, and you did things a certain way, and, and many other yeshivas rushed to emulate it and to find people who could do that for, the, for them as well. But at the time, it was novel, it was innovative, it was fresh, and it was creative. I remember, you know, this is what you'd call a podcast probably. You're probably the first person to go on. It was Steve Stavisky and the OU, and you went on his show uh, more than 15 years ago for sure. No one even knew what a podcast was. And you went on, and the first question he asked you is, what kind of yeshiva has a CEO? And you replied, uh, I remember. He says, "Sends for chief enthusiasm officer, I'm just here to get people to love yeshivas. That was the exchange, if, if I'm quoting it correctly. Who had a CEO before you? There was no CEO in Valazhin. And, and what you did over the last 30 years is, is spellbinding. But it was also very new. So where did you get that, that courage, I guess, or that vision? Who, who gave you those marching orders to go do the things you did? Well, I think that a place like uh, Base Medrash Gavaya Lakewood the size of it required a thinking of how to really set up a structure that would work. I don't think the things that I did were really all that new. If you think of Yeshivas Chachmei Lublin, you think of their campuses. Even Rodden, you know, people talk about Rodden as if the Chavetz Chaim lived very poorly and humbly and modestly. The Rodden Yeshiva building is a beautiful building. So uh, the fact that Yeshivas had beautiful campuses or that they had... Um, Endowments, Panovich, famously Panovich Arov had a great visionary, had a, an amazing endowment for the yeshiva that continues to support the yeshiva to this day near Israel in Baltimore. So I don't think the things that I did were, were really all that new. Um, maybe for Lakewood at you the time. You walked into a Lakewood that was associated with a certain traditional, very yeshivish, very pristine, very pure way of doing things. Well, I think it's still pristine and pure. Uh, the backers and supporters who built Lakewood, together with Ravaran, didn't come from the what we would call the yeshiva world of today. Uh, I think, particularly, the great families, the Bunims, the Firestones, the Firesteins, the uh, Klein family, um, the Bentheim family, uh, Herbert Tenzer, they didn't come out of the European yeshivas. They were a Yankee Doodle Americans or or immigrants who were not products of the yeshiva system, by and large some were, but by and large they were not. But they had vision to want to build the entire world. In Europe that was the same. There was a, 
famous scientist in Europe, a big supporter of Rukhaimweiser, and the Vada Yeshivas, Vladimir Hofkin. I think it was always that way. Um, what we were able to do in Lakewood was to rally a broad constituency or a broad coalition of people to want to back the yeshiva and to see its growth and success. And I attribute the yeshiva's growth and success to the fact that they were, to steal a term from George Bush Jr., the coalition of the willing, it was the coalition of those who had the passion and desire to really see Tyra grow. Were you scared when you started out? Were you scared to try to think? I was too stupid to be scared. You didn't realize that there would be resistance. Well, I knew there'd be resistance, but there's always resistance. And but you were, I, I was a Bachon Yeshiva in, in Beis Mashkara when you came in, pretty much, the later 90s. Yeshivas were selling raffle tickets to make money. Yeah. Uh, that was tradition. You came in and you were just doing things bigger, more grandiose, uh, with more poise and more self-confidence than anybody before you. I, I don't agree that it was, uh, sorry, I don't mean to be, uh, um, you know, in any way, to disagree so directly, but... If you look at the dinners of the 50s and 60s at Bismarck Shkivaya, they had the leading Balabatim rallied around the yeshiva, uh, very strong lay leadership involved in the yeshiva. And uh, down into the 70s and the 80s, uh, when I was growing up, there were uh, great yidden, I, I think particularly friends like Isaac Rakowski, Nachum Zeldas, um, through the years, uh, Sheldon Barron, who were had absolute commitment. They were very, and are very sophisticated people who had a strategic view that we have to build the oil of my yeshivas. And getting them to bond with Lakewood really wasn't that difficult because they believe in it. Okay, so let, let me reword the question. Your disagreement is not only uh, acceptable, it's welcome. Uh, I'm here to ask, I'm not here, of course, with any, any premises. You came as a son of a gadol b'tayra, of a giant of Rosh Hashiva, and a grandson of Rosh Hashiva. And traditionally, that role was filled by people who, who wore frocks and such moves as shal showed us, and they did a little fundraising. And you totally went out and met the people you had to meet on their turf, and you spoke a terminology that you were one of the first people when I interviewed you, you came with real data. I remember I challenged you then. I said, uh, how are you comfortable inviting families to Lakewood when you don't have enough schools for them? That's what I asked you. This is probably 20 years ago. So you said, what do you mean there's not enough schools? So I hadn't done that much research. Research, I said, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids. You said, how many kids are being born? I said, I don't know. You said, I'll tell you how many kids are being born. You said, in the month of January, there were 140 kids. This is what you started to tell me, and how many classrooms there are. So you had then the numbers. You said, we're down by about 12% less classroom space. And we invite anybody, and we'll help them with funding if they need to open new schools. Nobody had ever, I wasn't used to being answered that way with real data, and, and not just uh, emotional and conjecture and speculation and, and preaching. It was, it, was, it was very refreshing and very new. But I'm sure that there were misnagdim. I'm sure that there was resistance, because anytime somebody does something that was still differently, you, you, you don't have a long beard and a frock and a kapata. You don't go for that look. You don't aim for that look. You, you were going camping with Joseph Strauss before anybody understood those kind of ideas. So that's different. You can't deny that. Huh? You think of Rabbi Naftali Neuberger, Zechrein uh, Levracha, Zechrein Sadek Levracha, or think of Yuval Lechayim, the great Rabbi Avram Fruchthandler. Um, these are the most sophisticated people uh, on the face of the earth who are... Rabbi Neuberger was comfortable in any environment with uh, politicians and... Uh, you know, wealthy businessmen who were not religious, 
with federations, um, comfortable in any environment, but building Torah was his life. And again, you put a Chaim Rabbi Avram Fruchtandler, the same thing. So I don't think I was the first. And I think if you take a close look at the yeshiva world, you look at the of Kahaneman and Panovich, or even closer to home, one of my personal mentors, Rababa Gorelika uh, Zatzal from South Fallsburg. Uh, very, very smart, very capable, comfortable with anyone. As a kid in South Fallsburg, I remember we had a dinner. There was a non-religious Jew, Mr. Resnick. I think he was a billionaire, and Rababa was very close to him, and Rababa brought him to the yeshiva, and his, Rababa and his Rebbe said she should be well. They committed the Resnick family to the yeshiva. They helped build the yeshiva. So, I don't. I, don't, I think there are many uh, like that. I think of. Uh, uh, Can I give examples of things you did differently? Sure. You yeshiva suddenly became a political voice in New Jersey politics. That wasn't a thing. People looked at you as a voting block. Well, Rabbi Newberger did that in Baltimore. So, uh, we we certainly weren't the first in the yeshivas in Europe. You know, there were there were uh, very great chashuv members of the Polish Sem. I don't think that that's you, something. You that. made a statement early on, I think on the record, that essentially it's a yeshiva town and you welcome everybody to live in, you're excited, and, and you were, again, one of the first to welcome businesses to Lakewood and you turned it into essentially the uh, the business capital from life, business hub from life. And and you said that the the way we see this town is everything serves the yeshiva. At the end of the day, if you want to move here, that's great. I, I don't really agree with that. We never said everything serves the yeshiva. I think everything serves the cause of Tyra and Klal Yisrael. So I'm sorry that I have to... Uh, no, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm just... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I didn't say it was a yeshiva town. Uh, the Rosh Hashivas did. Rosh Hashivas defined the Tashkafa. They defined the Tashkafa to this day. Uh, I remember everyone knows the story of when the first pizza shop opened and the first bagel store opened. And there was a very clear sentiment reflecting the sentiment of the residents of the Kehillah, the yeshiva light, that this is a Tyra town. And I think as a, as a Tyra town, it has had the schuss not only of doing amazing things, but also setting a remarkable uh, example to the rest of Klal Yisrael. I'm sure you remember, certainly, when the great city field Asifa, I, you may remember also the incredible amount of criticism that they took. Now, Ramatasio, he should be gesund, he was the one who drove that. And people thought then, what's wrong with internet? What's wrong with social media? And look where the world is today. Even the secular world, they look at this guy, Zuckerberg and, and Meta, and they think, hey, this is really nuts. This is out of control. This is destroying families. It's destroying lives. And it doesn't mean for the world that they're going to eliminate it, but to recognize the, the dangers that that posed, but no one realized that. Lakewood led in terms of putting this front and center, uh, internet, social media, a virtual universe um, on the agenda. And it put on the agenda of Kali Yisrael the idea that Balabatim can love learning and should love learning, and that learning is a lifetime endeavor. You and can't, it uh, can't deny, even though Lakewood is a, a paragon of, of the Tzedakah, the Chesed Meshulachim from Eretzal always say that Lakewood is by far their most, we know that. It's a good town. But it's not Rabbi Aaron's Lakewood. There are purists who will tell you it, they don't recognize it. Well, it's not, it's not Kletsk or Slutsk either, or Yanova or Vilna. 
just thinking of the other four stops that the yeshiva made. The world also is not the villages and cities around Kletsk and Yanova, and I think that... Okay, but there are people who, uh, uh, based on Talmud, let's say, they're so committed to holding on to what was that you have the sticky masking tape on the Gemara that's going to stick on your finger for a week because that's the way it was, right? You didn't do that. You, you met a changing need, perhaps, and you were remarkably successful, but it's not... It's not what? It's not about it's like. About what, is, what does that mean? About an envision a, way, a place... Um, maybe like South Fallsburg, that you grew that's, up in a place away from the city. That's a myth. Is it a myth? People, yeah, people invent these myths and they become reality. Uh, the Lakewood that Ravarin built... Did Ravarin choose Lakewood because it was far from the city? Yeah, it's, it's not. It's a myth. It's not true. It's, so, it's just it doesn't match the facts. Lakewood had 200 hotels in 1943. 50 were glot kosher. The people who came to the hotels were not so religious. Many of them were totally not religious. Uh, they came for the... Parties. They came to play cards. They played. They came for the comedy. Clubs. So why did he choose Lakewood? Lakewood was the Borscht Belt before. Why the would castles. you open a yeshiva in? Revive open yeshiva where there were more distractions available for Bahram than the entire New York City combined. Okay. So how do you? And, and every secular Jew, you speak to the old secular Jews. Oh, I used to go to Lakewood. We'd go to the comedy clubs or or, or whatever other entertainment that the hotels were offering. Uh, so. He, he didn't go to Lakewood because it wasn't Manhattan. He chose Lakewood for a variety of reasons, probably most important because there was Yid Betzal Goldstein who, who really was mishtadl on him to come. He was a Ben Torah. He was a Telzer uh, who, who lived there. It was a hospitable environment. Um, and there was the ability to build a yeshiva in, in a little vinkle, but it was not a vinkle that was... Um, what's made out to be this idyllic South Fallsburg. I learned in South Fallsburg. So, I mean, South Fallsburg, uh, you know, other than counting the chickens crossing the road, there really wasn't, there was nothing there. Uh, the Lakewood of 1943 and 53 and 63 was, was not like that. Uh, so you're very proud when Mashiach comes and Rabbi comes walking in, you'll give him the keys, he'll say, here, here you go, Zayda. It's not for me to give him any keys. It's not, it's not, it's not our role. Uh, but I think that Everything has to work for its generation. And the world has gone off the rails, as it always does, uh, in cycles. And the world has once again gone off the rails in the last 20, 30 years. Maybe outflow from the 60s and uh, some Anne Rand stuff and other crazy ideas that have infiltrated. Probably uh, a natural outcome of the Enlightenment. But the world has really gone off the rails in many ways. In some ways, it's exceptional. But in many ways, the world has uh, lost its values when you see, you see not only by Yidden, but you see how people have abandoned belief in, in, a, in a creator, in a, in a Kaddish Baruch, a belief, a belief in, in absolutes of right and wrong, a belief in divine providence of reward and punishment, um, that, which literally means there are consequences to what you do. The world has changed significantly. And... Look, a yeshiva's job is not to influence the world. It's to produce B'nai Taira and to create an environment that allows B'nai Taira to steig. As a city or as a municipality, uh, the effective question is, does the town work as a, as a moral beacon on a hill for the Jewish people? I believe it does. So did Lakewood have 
jobs and offices and shops in those days now where people flying in from Bar Park or California or wherever they're coming from to go shopping in Lakewood. No, we didn't have that. We didn't even have a kosher bakery at the time. And uh, you can get kosher cupcakes Thursday night from uh, Two Young Light who started importing bread from uh, bread and cupcakes from, uh, from Bobby Grunenbaum in New York City. So you really didn't have much infrastructure. Uh, but today, the operative question which you're asking is, what works today for Kal Yisrael? A, the yeshiva's mission is not to be this light on the hill and social engineering and trying to fix the world. It's to provide a place for Talmidei Chachamim to develop and steig. And it is that and it has that. And as to Kal Yisrael, uh, facts speak for itself is the role that it serves in, in Klal Yisrael, the values that it stands for, and the outcomes of uh, how people live their lives. So, uh, would Ravarin have critiques? I'm sure he would. But he'd probably be more busy with the, the Rajma and the Ritva and the Shita and the Kibetzos, because he knew that was the solution to mankind's ills. Barossi Yitzhar, Barossi Teratavlin. So we just need a lot more of that. You introduced the, I think it's an innovation. Again, maybe people were doing this. The yeshiva almost created uh, more than just a fundraising arm, but a sort of a cash flow. The yeshiva was able to take positions where it was able to generate revenue for yeshiva. That was new. Again, Panovich has, uh, you know, Panovich are a built house. Real estate? Yeah, he had a big real estate portfolio. Panovich still has that. So I don't think we were the first. Uh, the fact that foundations supported, support Tyra. Again, Vladimir Hofkin was not a religious Jew. We never Did went you have any moral compunctions about going to people for money for the I, yeshiva who themselves would not send their sons to the yeshiva? I never really went after, I shouldn't say really, I never really went after money of, from supporters who, were, um, who didn't believe in it and certainly from supporters who weren't connected to it. Were there people who gave who were not religious for sure? Every yeshiva has that. Um, but... The, the beauty, one of the beauties of fundraising, and this is something that's, that's worth noting on, is that it, it rallies people of like-minded uh, like-minded passion who believe in something. And to pull them together is very powerful. Ishes Rieu are mechazik each other. So the people who support Taira really believe in it. And there is plenty of other causes that are out there that are available for the world. They believe in it. And some of them, it could require a conversation for them to realize what they believe in. So sometimes it takes a conversation or two. But people believe in it. And that, to me, is the, it's the golden age in that regard. We're approaching the 40th year outside of your father. You died too young. People suggest that he was underappreciated because his father's uh, footprint is so immense. If your father was a poetic soul. You read things he wrote. He, we're talking Chazanish-level uh, lyrical poetry. Talmud Chacham, everybody knows that that's documented. His Talmudim loved him in an emotional way that wasn't taken for granted in the American yeshiva world, that to be a loving relationship between Rabbi and Talmud. Do you feel that he was underappreciated? I never met a Gadol who was running a popularity contest. Um, he never sought recognition in any way. He wouldn't walk into the Beis Medrash once they started davening if he came after people started davening. He wouldn't walk in until everyone got up before his yashir because he didn't want people to stand up for him. So he never sought any form of uh, accolade or recognition. 
Everyone who knew him saw him as the most profound uh, Godel Tzaddik who wore the burdens of Klal Yisrael and of his fellow Jews in a way that no one else did. His brilliance and learning was uh, beyond anything anyone could imagine. Uh, he had a different personality than Ravarn, and he was in a different age than, than the Zayda. I will say that when he became Rosh Hashiva, uh, Lakewood was at the time approximately the same size or smaller than most of the other handful of American yeshivas. When he was Nifter in 1982 in Tafshin Membez, yeshiva had about 800 Talmudim. Most of the others had approximately the same number as when he had become Rosh Hashiva 20 years earlier. And that, I think, was because he had a very specific vision of how to build, how to build the yeshiva, and he acted on it. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but he had a very specific mahalach in building yeshiva and in how to give shir, how to engage talmidim. But he was, much, uh, he was much softer than your grandfather, no? He was different. He was different. Ravarin was also very soft. Ravarin was the candy man in shul. Ravarin had a phenomenal sense of humor. Ravarin had many many attributes that they're not f- focused on because they pale in terms of the grand impact of uh, his godless patira. But uh, you know, we're, we're not in the habit of comparing one, one godler or tzaddik to another because people have different roles, different purposes. But others uh, put it, in, in the dynasty of Bisk, they put out books on everybody and you, you don't do that to your family. You're not... We're, lit, we're still lit fox, you know. We're not uh, the, the uh, not to criticize those who are not in any way I understand, but you never wanted a book or a fully uh, a biography like. Well, we're other here in art schools building, so we certainly would have what to talk about. But um, you know, it's about learning. It's about learning, and sha'alavicha viagedcha zikenecha viaymerlach literally applies to your parents and all. So. Uh, and, and your family, and and, and your rebbeim and your gedolim, but uh, it, it was never the focus. It, uh, maybe maybe litvaks is the wrong term. Uh, my family came from a, a simpler world. Uh, a uh, Spartan is the wrong word because it has very bad connotations. But I would say a, a simpler world with less complexities. And the mission is clear. You want to raise your family. You need to have a Rebbe. Without a Rebbe, you're not going to make it. It's just, it's as simple as that. Because who knows where you'll land up. You have to have, because we're a Messiah. We're a Messiah from Sinai. You have to have a Rebbe. You want your kids to steig in learning. You want Tyre to be the anchor and center of your home. You want it to be the center of community life. And there's a whole lot of other things that happen in the world. There's restaurants and uh, kosher or non-kosher concerts or uh, all types of things that happen. Um, it's not who we are. I mean, we're, this is about, it's about tire, it's about learning, about, about musr, about integrating that into now, your, life. Your grandfather really was mechadish. Um, I heard this from my grandfather, from Chaskal Basel, he said, until, until Rabban came to America, the Rabbanim talked Tashkafa. She was at Shia Chloe, and that was it. They talked about Bakama, and they talked about Basra. 
if there was a question on an ideology question, it was the rabbi talked about it. He said the rabbi came in and he kind of introduced this new concept of Rosh Hashiv who says Das Taira, who really has issued, and, and my grandfather's mentor was Rabbi Shara, completely was subjugated himself to, to Rabbi's view. Now you, in your capacity, in, in representing Lakewood as the face of Lakewood, had no problem not only drawing close, but really conveying a certain, a certain appreciation and working with demographics, many of whom ideologically your grandfather probably wasn't thrilled with. That means I'm sure he loved them as Eden and would have given anything to save them if he could have and helped them out. But you yourself had no problem building very nice bridges within the wider Orthodox world, in the YU Chabad communities, or whatever it is, we don't have to give examples. People who your grandfather considered kasher, or Yidin, for sure, I don't mean not. But again, they weren't, he wasn't wanting Bachem to go from like with YU or Chabad, and you yourself forged beautiful relationships there. Yeah, one, of the, one of the fun things I got to do was with my dear Chavar of Shimon Glick, we were movie producers for about two weeks, and we produced the famous video that's out there of uh, the 56th, uh, Chinuchat's my dinner, uh, 1956. Chinuchat's my dinner. So we had a lot of fun with that, and it's worth uh, if someone uh, needs time off from learning. It's it's worth watching because it's very inspirational. <laughs> together. Uh, my father had a very close relationship with Rabbi Yashiber. We would talk to him in learning uh, once a month. I heard that from Rabbi Yashiber directly. Uh, they had very strong relationships. And those relationships did not end that, let's call it, the Lakewood Yeshiva world. Uh, so I don't think there's anything really new in doing that. Um, and relationships in the Hasidish world uh, they certainly had very strong relationships. So I don't, I don't really see uh, um, any groundbreaking work. Again, but that's nuanced. If you ask people, what are the movements in American Orthodoxy? Oh, there's YU, there's Chabad, there's Lakewood. Lakewood is a different movement. It's not Chabad, it's not YU, it's not Samar. It's not the OU, it's whatever. Uh, but you are somehow uh, able to, to dance with a lot of different demographics in a very warm, certainly productive way for Klyasol. But it was new. Well, if you need vouchers, if you're running a yeshiva, and I didn't run a yeshiva katanas, I didn't need vouchers. But if your community needs vouchers, and 
you could talk to Nathan Diamond at OU, and you could talk to Levi Shemtova. The three of you could go together and do something for Kalyusrol. So, what difference does it make? What, how they, how they think exactly the nuances and where they're sending their kids to? What difference does it make? Uh, they're 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 a Yidden. They're committed. Um, they're amazing. They're they're. they're they're doing the same holy work you're doing for their community. Did you take heat for these? I, I understand. Uh, not really. I, w- I wouldn't say that. No. You know, we had a, a Howard Friedman of Baltimore and I, we'd go to Washington, and we literally had a, a grand coalition of people from, uh, from many walks of life, from many, I would call it, the proper term is Kreisen in, in Claudius role. And uh, uh, Abba Cohen and Nathan Diamond and Levi Shemtov and Howard Friedman and myself, and of Romy Wolfson and uh, Schleimer Werdiger and uh, Sandy Gerber and seven, eight, ten other guys. It's amazing what you can do uh, just in terms of, of reach and the things we were able to do for uh, small things we were able to do for for Tyre and for I think some big things as well. You know, I'm sorry? That's some big things as well. Yeah, but it was, it's, I, I don't see anything, anything new in that really. And I think uh, certainly in, you see in modern day Eric Stroll. Uh, and when, and when you join forces, uh, you get a lot more done. So uh, if, if Degel and, uh, and uh, Degel's I don't a know political party, Lakewood Yeshiva is Kaddish Kadashim. It's the Yeshiva. It's Klesk. Yeshiva still is Kaddish Kadashim. Mean, it is. Right, I'm just saying. But the, the brand you represented, so to speak, was not Degel. Well, it's not a political party. Uh, you know, when he went to Washington, he, he went with. Uh, you know, his closest associate in that sense, that regard, at those days, was, uh, was Irving Burem, who was, uh, he was a big Talmud Chacham. He was a young Israel Yid, and uh, they went together. The Ravarin's English was imperfect, perhaps. I'm sure it was perfect, but his English was imperfect. And the two of them were very, very powerful. And they went with other people like that. Uh, Stephen Klein, uh, the greatness of what he did. Uh, Martin Klein, Eloy Klein. Um, I, I don't really see anything new in that. I think that maybe the, the line of the questioning could help us respond to people who get caught up in these nuances because we don't want to compromise in our hashkaf in any way. And that's really important. If you're a, if you're a Satmar Yid, you don't want to become a, a non-Satmar Yid. So we, we have a love for our Messiah, we have a love for our Ashkafa, and we want to cleave to it in the most passionate and intense way possible. And that's the right thing, because uh, we're Messiah-based. Yadus is, is, is driven by Messiah. So I understand the impulse that that drives, and it's right. Uh, if you're a Bubba or you're a Matastar or whatever your background is, you should stay that way, and uh, you know we don't look. We don't look very kindly. I shouldn't say. Unfortunately, we don't look so kindly on someone who sort of switches along the way. Uh, but the fact that everyone works together for the common good of of uh, I, I just don't think anything. I don't see anything exceptional in that, and I don't think any of the listeners to this should see anything exceptional in that. Now, in what could only I would say that Tom Brady. Stepping down after winning a Super Bowl is is maybe a marshal for the earthquake of somebody like yourself. You you were in a 
You're very effective. Very he impactful. might have been deflated after he stepped down. Cute. Uh, stepping down, uh, almost suddenly, you know, a period of a, a year, and there's some talk, and, and you're stepping down from that position of CEO of Lakewood. Why? Why well, now? I did it for 26 years, and uh, I don't want to say it was the 26 best years of my life, because every year really was. But it, it is very, very intense um, and very taxing and uh, very pressured. And, uh, of course, one of the pressures is you can't really show you're pressured when you're doing it. But it's, uh, it's really a lot of work for 26 years. And today, I'm able to do many of the things that I think should be done or that I want to do. Maybe I mix them up sometimes, but I'm able to do those. And I don't have to worry about a day-to-day budget or, or uh, six, seven hundred people who work for different mices that you, you're a Hawaii for or, or even more. And um, so it's, it's different. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's a different pace. And right, but good. we both know that you're, you're built not for this pace, but for that pace. So there's going to be, you're, you have too much to give. You're too talented and too energetic and too experienced at this point. To, uh, it's got to wear off. You're gonna, you're gonna need to do big things. What's well, next? I, I, don't, I don't really agree with that. I mean, I think that uh, I think the things you do in life are a, a mix of the kaiyach Hashem gives you, the requirements in front of you, and and uh, of, of what needs to be done. And um, my last few years in the yeshiva, we built an incredible team. Uh, everyone knows that it's. Well, Shane Lutiferis from uh, uh, in finance and government affairs and the tuition department and facilities, uh, uh, a class A team and uh, every single one. They all stayed on and are staying on and they're doing their work. But my last few years, I didn't have much, that much to do with them. <clears throat> I meet out from David Foyer in tuition once a year and check in with them. <clears throat> we built a really amazing team that continues to administer and run the yeshiva. And uh, they, they did the hard work. Um, and most of my time really was either on new projects um, or on community things, including trying to build yeshivas and kailim and all. So I still get to do that. But what's next? What? I'm not really sure I understand the question. You're not going to just sit at home and consult the yeshivas who and put out fires for people, which I'm sure you'll do anyhow, and you've been doing anyhow. You're, you're Rabbi Aaron Cutler, chief enthusiasm well, officer I, I, for I so long. I have a different drummer. I'm you're not, young. You're vibrant. Yeah, but I, I have a different drummer. I, uh, I'm not sure that I agree with you. Um, you're not going everyone to play has golf. Their, everyone, look, my, my first career, quote-unquote, was Rabbi Weinberg took a shot at me and hired, hired me for Kirov. And I was in the trenches for years, uh, really strongly in the trenches for uh, teaching. And uh, I know when I gave that up, I missed it terribly. So and then, maybe that. I, and I then, I went to, then I went to Kyle and I, and I was in the trenches of the base measures for years. And in my years in BMG, I missed that terribly too. So uh, there's a lot to do in life. And running an organization, 
is, is a great feeling for any organization. Running a yeshiva, which is not an organization, uh, and, and serving the Russian yeshiva is the greatest privilege ever. Um, but 26 years is really a long time. And uh, it, it's a very long time. And there's a lot of other very good things that life has. We, we look forward, how did he say, the best is yet to come. We look forward to seeing what the future has in store. I would close with this question. You look back at those 26 years. What are you proudest of? You walk the halls of the yeshiva. Um, you're filled with pride and tears and, uh, and emotion that Kodesh Baruch gave Torah to Klai Yisrael. 3,300 years ago, and to walk the halls and to see thousands and thousands and thousands of Yungalite and Bahram every day going to learn, and their families and their children, uh, just to be connected to that, to, to know that in some small way you helped it. It's, uh, ooh. Look, the, world, the world's driven all bracha and shefa and existence comes through Tyra. And certainly our existence as, a, uh, as the Amashem is, is predicated on our kihim chayet of of Tyra. So to see that is, is really incredible. And uh, I'm blessed. Certainly I live right across the street from uh, two of the Bati Medrash we acquired. And um, seeing the light coming and going and see the Bati Medrash fill and more and more coming. It's just, it, it, it's an incredible feeling. This is Zaldir Bashtin. You and your family always thank you for coming in, Ramana. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir.